Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. We are so glad that you tuned into the broadcast today, and I believe you will be too. You know, most of you watching, we don't know you personally. You don't know us personally, and yet we're family. We are family connected by the love of God, connected by the blood of Jesus, and every family needs a family night. You know what I'm talking about? A night where the family just gets together in the living room and you hang out with each other. And that's what we're gonna do right now. Just a few weeks ago, not long ago at all, we all got together in this living room, had some of our friends and partners with the ministry over, and we got into some worship and we got into the Word of God and we had a amazing time in the Word together. And we want to share that family night with you. So over the next couple of weeks of broadcast, we are going to uh, show you family night, gonna get into the Word, and I believe you are gonna be enriched and blessed and glad you're watching. Father, we thank you for the Word today, and we call everybody watching blessed in Jesus' name. Enjoy this. In Jeremiah chapter 32. Start there with me tonight. And if you want to, you can also find Matthew uh, 19, I believe it is. Jeremiah 32, Matthew, the 19th chapter. If for some reason you are in here tonight and don't want to be encouraged, then leave immediately. <coughs> Because my, my plan, my goal is just to get you stirred up, get you fired up about what's coming. And we're going to let the Lord do that through his word. In Jeremiah 32, uh, if we had time, we'd read the whole thing. This is one of those instances in the life of the prophet of God where God speaks to him and gives him some very specific instruction. A lot of the time, God would speak through his prophets uh, and would say, say this. Tell this to my people. Tell them this is what's coming. Tell them this is what's going to happen. But this is an instance where God speaks to the prophet and says, I'm telling you what's about to happen. It's a real interesting situation. It has to do, actually, I almost said ironically. It's not ironic at all. It has to do with buying land, buying property. And Jeremiah, in this case right here, is <laughs> we find him in prison. He's a political prisoner. Evidently, the king of Judah was not a fan of some of the prophecies that Jeremiah was delivering. It all had to do with his demise. So he thought, well, here's what I'll do. I'll put you in prison. That'll shut you up. How many of you know you can't stop the word of the Lord? So Jeremiah is in prison and the word of God comes to him and says, look, here's what's going to happen. So-and-so, who is the son of your uncle, he's going to come and he's going to say, I want you to buy this piece of land. And you're going to buy it from him, and you're going to buy it at this price, and here's what you're going to do. So Jeremiah says, okay. He's a prisoner, and the people of Israel at this time and the nation has been besieged. They're all captives, and God tells him he's going to buy this land. Well, sure enough, cousin so-and-so shows up and says, I want you to buy this land. You have the right to buy it. And I forget what it is. It's, you're related, so you, know, you have opportunity here to buy it. Jeremiah says, okay, I'll buy it. Buys the land. God gives him very specific instructions about what to do with the deed. Take the deed, then take the copy of the deed, bury the deed, then let everybody know and say the word of the Lord is, people will be buying land and people will be building and people will be planting. So Jeremiah says all that. Evidently, this seemed like a very 
difficult concept to him at the time. And I can understand that. You're in prison. You're already in a bad spot, already at a disadvantage. But then they're a captive people, so why are we buying land? It's hard for these people to think we're ever going to own anything again. We're, we're prisoners in our own homes. And so Jeremiah goes to the Lord after he's done everything he said to do. He goes to the Lord and he's going to talk to him about this. In other words, he's going to say, I want you to explain some things to me here. I, I, there's some stuff I don't understand and I want you to explain it to me. But before he ever gets to that part of the prayer, that part that you and I most of the time start with, God, how? Right? God explained some things to me here. I need to understand some things. There's some things I don't get. And most of the time we start with that. But I like the way Jeremiah started this prayer. We could take a real lesson in prayer from him here in chapter 32, verse 17. This is how he starts the prayer. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And this is what I like. There is nothing that is too hard for you. That's how this prayer started. Now, where the prayer was going was, I'm confused. I don't get it. If you don't mind, would you please explain to me? But that's not where it started. The prayer started with, God, you, you are so powerful. You have made the, earth, the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing, he said, is too hard for you. Anybody remember this song growing up in church? Ah, oh, Lord God, thou has made the... Is anybody? I'm not going to punish you with the rest of that. Joey, you want to you sing it for us? You would do... No, I'm, you would. You would actually do it. And accompany with it harmonica, I'm sure. But Jeremiah said, nothing is too hard for you. And this prayer went on a little bit. And before he got to the explain it to me part, he began to just rehearse some things to God. He said, God, you're the one. You're the one who brought us out of Egypt. You're the one who did signs and did wonders in Egypt. Now, this is beginning to stand out to me more and more because over the last, gosh, months, many of us on our staff, we've been reading through the Old Testament together, just a chapter at a time, chapter a day. And it's amazing to me how many times Egypt comes up. And I'm talking like decades, centuries after Egypt was done. You know what I mean by Egypt, right? When the children of Israel were captives in that land and God delivered them out of it. It's amazing to me how many times Egypt comes up. Egypt, Egypt, Egypt. God brings it up when he's talking to his people. Don't forget Egypt. Don't forget Egypt. And you would think that a group of people who got delivered in the way those people did wouldn't be quick to forget Egypt. But he had to remind the ones who were actually there. This is just days, weeks after the event. He had to remind them, hey, you guys remember what I just did for you? These people had to be reminded. Here's Jeremiah. I don't know how many decades after Egypt. And yet he's still saying, I remember. I remember what you did in Egypt. Now, what was Egypt? It was, in short, an impossible situation, right? It was 
an impossible set of circumstances. People who had been in this land for 400 years and were now slaves, didn't own a thing, didn't even own their own bodies. They were owned and possessed by other people. And if you were to ask them or anybody else, are you ever getting out of here? There's no way. It's impossible. But God did it. And I love how Jeremiah remembers that. What's the lesson here? If the Lord's ever done something for you, I don't care how long ago it was. Talk about it. Remember it. Bring it up. And especially bring it up in the face of whatever impossibility you're dealing with right now. No, 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 no. I remember Egypt, right? And you start talking about whatever Egypt was for you and the way the Lord brought you out of that, however long ago that was. And somebody wants to say, yeah, but that was then. I don't care how long ago it was. If he did it for me then, he will do it for me again. I remember Egypt. And that's what Jeremiah did. He said, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. You delivered your people. You did signs. You did wonders. You did miracles. And I love the way God brought the people out. It wasn't sneaky. It wasn't subtle. It was loud, man. It was loud. He said, my people called on me and I'm coming. Pharaoh, I'm coming for you. I am coming for you. And he did it so big and did it so loud that those people chased them out of their nation and said, here, take all our gold. Take all our clothes. Not the ones they were wearing, I hope, but you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Take it all. Have it. Go. Just go. Man, the Lord did some amazing things for them. And I love the fact that he's bringing this up. He's recalling what God did, even though he wasn't there to see it. And then he finally got to the part in his prayer like, how are you going to do this thing? Why have you told me to do this? Why have you told me to say this? And I love God's answer to him. Verse 26, Jeremiah 32, 26, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? In other words, just fed his own words right back to him. Is there anything too hard for me? And I know, I know you think you know the answer to that. But I've caught myself just in the last few weeks having to really answer that question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Go to Matthew. Did you find that? Matthew chapter, what did I tell you? 19? Matthew chapter 19. Uh, We won't take time to, to really look at all the backstory here, but listen to what Jesus said in verse 26. Jesus looked at them talking about his disciples. He said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, I don't want to read the whole deal, but the context of this was the rich young ruler. Do you remember the young man that came and chased Jesus down? This is, there came one to him running 
and knelt down in front of him and said, good teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And they had this whole little conversation that ended with Jesus looking at him, loving him, said, one thing you lack, go sell what you have, give to the poor, take up your cross, follow me. And the young man walked away sad at this word. And Jesus, in light of him leaving sad, began to explain to the disciples. He said, guys, it's hard. It is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. He said, it's easier for a camel, you remember this, right? To go through what? The eye of a needle. Talk about impossible. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom. Impossible. And evidently the disciples were astounded by this because they turned to him and said, who then can be saved? And this was Jesus' reply. This statement that we've all known to some extent and have probably thrown around, with God, all things are possible. With God, well, God, all things are possible with God. This is the context of it. This is where it came from. Who then can be saved? And Jesus said, with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Answer this. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? What's the answer to that? No. How many things are possible with God? All things. Nothing is impossible and everything is possible with God. And I love that the context of it was who can be saved and Jesus was saying, look, it's, it's so hard for a rich man to enter into the things of God, to enter into the kingdom of God. Somebody who trusts in riches, it's just about impossible with men. Yeah. But with God. Somebody say, with God. With God. It's possible. I want to live the kind of life that is only possible with God. I want the fruit of my life and the testimony of my family and my ministry to be, there's no way. There's no way that could have happened. There's no way that could have been done. There's no way you could have built that. There's no way you could have bought that without God. But with God, what did Jesus say? All things are possible. The word impossible, it means what you think it means. You look it up and it basically means weak, no strength. And in light of the weakness, in light of the lack of strength, what it really translates to is cannot be done. That's what impossible means. Would you agree with that? It cannot be done. Why can't it be done? Not enough strength, not enough ability. It can't be done. So if impossible means it can't be done, help me out. What do you suppose possible means. It can be done. <laughs> it can be done. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something. I am not the same man that ended last year. I am a different man sitting in front of you tonight. Here's why I believe I'm a different man. I have been praying in a way I don't think I ever have been before. And what are we, 20 seven days into January, something like that. I have prayed more in other tongues in the last 27 days than I ever have 
I feel like in my life and I go to pray and it just comes out in the Holy Ghost and it just seems like it's happening all the time. I nearly answered my daughter this afternoon in tongues. She, she asked me a question, daddy, can I have this or whatever? And I'm, I kid you not, it almost came out in other tongues. It's just welling up on the inside of me week after week after week. I told Sarah days ago, I've never prayed in the Holy Ghost this much and I've been filled with the Holy Ghost since I can't even remember, you know, being a little kid, but it's coming out of me more, out of me more. And you know what? I think just in the last several days, getting ready for this tonight, I finally got the interpretation of what I've been praying for months. You know what it is? Here's the interpretation. It can be done. (laughs) That's what the Lord's saying. It can be done. Bless God. It can be done. I got so fired up about that this afternoon, praying over you, praying over our time together. I just started speaking to stuff and declaring the word of God over stuff and saying, it can be done. And there was a shift. There was a change that took place. I got this on my mind, thinking about the project I was telling you about, the building that needs to be bought up and built out and the acres that need to be paid for. And I I had been saying, I believe it will be. I believe it will be. I believe it will be. And something shifted. Something changed in my prayer. And I started saying, that acre is paid for. That building's bought. That studio is built out because nothing is too hard for the Lord. Bless God, it can be done. It can be. That's what the word possible means. It can be done. And... Just in the last few weeks, since the first of the year, first week of the year, something came up for Sarah and I just on a personal level, caught us by surprise. We're not expecting it and felt the pressure of it. Try to set in right away. But we made the determination. We're not even going to talk to each other about this for days until we've had time to sit under the word, pray about it in other tongues. And, and we didn't. It would, it would start to come up in conversation and we'd say, well, okay, leave it there. And we'd just go back to seeking the Lord. Just go back to praising the Lord. And I got the, I got the answer. It can be done. I, I, I can't get into all the details of it right now. I'll just tell you, I'm in the middle of a miracle. I'm in the middle of a miracle in the making. And it can be done. And this thing that we're praying together over, making decisions about, I'm just looking at it, pointing right at it, saying, ha ha, you can be done. You are are nothing. You are nothing. And nothing is too hard for the Lord. Can you tell I'm a little excited about it? Because nothing is impossible. It can be done with God. That's the difference. Because with men, every single one of us, you stay alive long enough on this planet, and you will, every single one of us are going to be met with impossible circumstances. At some point or another, we're going to come face to face with with something that looks impossible. And what I have figured out about God, finally, after 38 plus years, Here's what I finally learned about him. He loves it. He loves impossibilities. It's like he gets this big kick out of it. 
And when this thing showed up a few weeks ago, this thing that kind of caught us by surprise, I remember standing in the kitchen, just washing some dishes and the joy of the Lord rose up in me. And I started laughing out loud. And I looked at him and said, you like this. You like this, don't you? You have no problem whatsoever just throwing me right into the middle of impossible odds where my only option is you. You love it. And he does. He loves impossibility. But it's with God that it can be done. With men, you're going to run into things and there will be somebody that tells you, I'm sorry, there's nothing more that can be done. I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do about this. And that's really what they should be saying. When somebody tells you there's nothing more that can be done, really what they should be saying is there's nothing more I can do. What an arrogant statement that is. I don't think they mean it that way, but to just look at somebody and say, because I can't do anything else, then there's nothing else that can be done. <laughs> But it's humility. It's humility to come to the end of yourself and say, just because there's nothing more I can do does not mean there's nothing that can be done. Because with God. Say it again. With God. And I've been seeking the Lord just since this week concerning that statement right there. Those two words. With God. With God. And I said, Lord, talk to me about that. What does that mean to be with you? And I started getting this picture of, of me, you know, just, just a nobody trying to get into a place. And there's somebody standing out in front of the door that's not letting everybody in. And people are trying to get in, trying to get in, trying to get in. There's somebody standing there and he's not letting people in. You can't come in here. You can't come in here. You can't, you can't have access to that. You can't come in here. And then I got the picture of God standing there. And my first thought was, I'm with him. No, it's cool. I'm with him. I'm with God. I'm with him, right? But then the Lord took it to another level in my heart. It's not just me saying, I'm with, I'm with him. It's him stepping out in front of me and saying, no, it's okay. He's with me. He's with me. And I got excited about that when I started thinking about it. It's like, yeah, I'm with him. And it's always better when it comes from him first. He's with me. Then you can say, yeah, I'm with him. I'm with him. And just that right there, it's, it's the secret password. It's the key to every locked door. It, it, it removes barricades. It breaks bondages. It destroys yokes. It throws open wide the doors to every need you have being met, supplied over and above. I'm with him. He's with me. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.